Live at 5 Sports of Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Uh, well, Jim, a legend passed away yesterday. Bob Knight at the age of 83. Kind of a controversial figure. Did have some run-ins with various folks over the years. A bit of an irascible guy, but boy, you can't deny the, the coaching acumen that Bob Knight had. Yeah, absolutely. He's like a lot of people from his era, um, it's both stories, mm-hmm. you know, side by side. Uh, he could be. He, he was a. He was a great coach. Uh, no, no way around it. Great coach. Uh, remarkable, remarkable run of success at Indiana. Um, you know, one of the greatest teams in college basketball history. Brilliant strategist. Um, and I know people who played for him. You know, I, I've covered people who played for him and who. Uh, who liked him, uh, or or at least respected him, and thought he he, he was a positive influence in their lives. And then, then we go through a million things where he was arrogant and uh, and abusive, and went way over the top, um, and behaved like a horrible human being. So it, it's both great coach and uh, sometimes a very very made very questionable judgments. And uh, maybe one of the people that Gopher fans back in the day had the most fun booing. I mean, I, I we yes. had Gopher season tickets for many years when I was growing up during his heyday with Indiana, that great 76 uh, team, that undefeated squad he has. I think it was 76 or 77. And, boy, everybody enjoyed booing Bob Knight, but he seemed to really kind of take that all in and part of the job. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he liked it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, I think he liked I mean. I think he liked his persona. I think he, you know, let's let's face it. He was kind of he was old school in that. I think he liked being feared. I think he liked being. Uh, I think he liked attention. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he behaved the way he behaved. You don't want attention. He could have right. had a, you know. I mean, John John Wooden, uh, you know, another great college basketball coach, never raised his voice. Uh, you know, didn't really didn't really want. To be the story, he just wanted a coach. Uh, Bobby wanted to be the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, Bob Knight uh, passed away at 83. Nice win for the Timberwolves. What a difference a day makes for a couple of days uh, after their uh, last game in which they cough up a big lead. This time, the defending champs, they get a lead and they don't let go of it. Uh, boy, that's a, that's about as good as they can do uh, last night. Yeah, that was excellent. Um, and now, you know, they played great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Towns really competed defensively. I thought that uh, that uh, Mike Conley was fantastic. He just he made shots when they needed somebody to make a shot. He expo- he, you know, when the Nuggets are pressing up on the three point line and guarding a big man inside, he found those spaces, uh, the tweener spaces for the floater that just kept the thing kept the thing rolling. Uh, Towns was, Towns really competed against Jokic defensively. Gobert was excellent defensively. McDaniel's was always good defensively. Kyle Anderson and Nas Reed. Big minutes off the bench, uh, efficient scoring. So they played great. Now the challenge for this team, you know, the challenge for this team is as it was last year, it's maturity, hmm. you know. Uh, and we'll see if they're mature enough to keep playing like this. Because if they play like this, they're going to have a great season. Yeah. Uh, Towns continues to struggle with his shooting here in the early going, but yep. those tend to be slumps, not suddenly he can't shoot the ball anymore. Yeah, I it's weird because he had a great summer shooting, he had a great preseason shooting. He just looked like the three. He just looked like he could shoot a twenty-six foot three-pointer like it's a free throw. Uh, I don't know why he's not shooting right now. Maybe it is just some weird little slump. I also still think, even though they played well enough to beat the champs last night and played well enough on offense, I still don't see the kind of offensive flow you want. Um, it still feels like 
Edward's saying, okay, my possession, I'm going to go find a shot. And Talon's saying, my possession, I'm going to find a shot. I would really like to see them get more of an offensive flow where it's more catch and shoot rather than just taking a shot. Yeah, and and uh, Edwards talked about it afterward, or maybe it was Town saying that uh, it was really their offense that was creating some of their defensive difficulties because of you know bad shots or missing at the rim, yeah. and and uh, then it turns into points behind them the other way. So boy, it really does flow. One leads to the other. It, it really does. I mean, that Toronto game. I mean, um, taking bad shots you know, tends to hurt you in a lot of ways. Uh, number one, usually bad shots, your teammates aren't quite expecting it. You let it go because it's not in the, in the predictable flow of the offense, so they might not, they're not in position to offensive rebound. They're not in position to rotate back on defense. So usually you take the bad shot, means you're going to miss it, means the other team's going to have a running opportunity, and it's hard to win like that in this league. Everybody can run well. Everybody can finish on the break. There's so much talent in the league. And so I really think, I really think offensive intelligence, offensive flow is going to be the key here. I think this is a good defensive team. Yeah. And I think Gobert's, Gobert, you know, he, he, Gobert was a major factor last night, and I don't, he bear, I don't think he scored from the field. You yeah. know, I mean, um, and that, that's fine. I love the fact that they're going to let him be who he is instead of trying to force the ball to him. He's not an offensive player. Yeah. Uh, but eventually, Townsend Edwards are going to have to be the best two scorers, and it's going to work a lot better if they're, if, if the ball is moving and they are getting taking advantage of a defense out of position instead of just going into the teeth of the defense all the time. Uh, World Series has wrapped up five games. Uh, Texas Rangers winners, they just had a lot of thunder up and down their lineup. Corey Seager uh, joins a very elite group of two-time World Series MVPs. I think there's only three other players besides himself who've won that award uh, twice. And and uh, you know, boy, they really turn it around. Uh, and the final piece, it looks like, was Bruce Bochy bringing him in as the manager. Great manager, uh, just a great manager. Great way with people. Uh, great sense of calm, and I think I think where a guy like that really pays off is when they have the terrible slump they did, you know, early this season. He he can say, "Hey, I've been here. I've done this before. Team slump. We're just going to keep. We're going to stick with it." I think there's a lot of value in that. And he's a great, great manager. Great guy. Um, you know. By the way, sad to see Dusty Baker retire. Happy for him, but he's another great, you know, old school manager who's just good for the game. Uh, and, and listen. The Rangers are not that much better than the Twins. The Diamondbacks are not better than the Twins. I think if you're a Twins fan, you look at it and say, okay, let's, let's stop thinking about curses and lack of success. This team's good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they need some things to go right. They need somebody to produce in the middle of the lineup. But in terms of talent, amount of talent, uh, style of play, versatility, now coming off a playoff win, I, you know, I think people should be optimistic about this team. Do you feel that way too? Even if Sonny Gray doesn't come back and they don't replace him, try and replace him from within. Uh, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I expect Sonny to go, and you know, Sonny was Sonny had a great year. He did everything he could within his power to have a great year. Uh, they also didn't win a lot of his starts, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not as good as he was. He didn't pitch a ton of innings, and his pitching really didn't impact their record as much as it should have. Now, that's not his fault. Hmm. The hitter's fault. But, you know, so is it hard to replace somebody who had a two-something ERA? Theoretically, but the way these games played out, it's not that hard to replace the amount of wins he helped produce or the amount of innings he pitched. So I I also think it was a contract year, and he was really fired up to get his next big deal. I'm not sure next year he's going to pitch as well as he did this year. So... You know, you're, 
so I so like the short answer is I think they just need to have you know five to seven good starting pitchers, and I think they probably will. So it would seem as though, obviously, that Lopez would be the number one to start the yep. season. Based on who they have under contract now, who would be the number two? Uh, well, they would probably give the nod to Joe Ryan for that mm-hmm. position and hope that he kind of bounces back from his midseason problems last year. Uh, he, has the, he has the ability to be a really good major league pitcher. He was a really good major league pitcher until the growing thing popped up yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think at some point in the year, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paddock is their number two. Uh, his stuff is is remarkably good. He has dominant stuff. Um, he has just lots of swing and miss stuff. I, I could see him having a really big year. Um, I think Ober will have a good year. That was kind of the last year was the year. First year he's pitched a lot of innings for a long time, and mm-hmm. he held up well on that. Um, you know, I, I hope Farland's in the bullpen. He is a dominant reliever, and he's probably a fifth starter. And you can find other fifth starters. Um, you know, and then, you know, am I forgetting somebody? I don't have my, my roster in front of me, but I, I think yeah. they're probably going to, I think they're probably going to want to add one starting pitcher uh, from outside, yeah. whether it's a veteran to fill out the rotation, whether it's somebody they see having upside. Um, I would guess they will, they will try to replace Sonny Gray with somebody who has some experience. Uh, but, and, and listen, this team's been aggressive in doing those kind yep. of things. Yep. Tyler Malley? Uh, no, I know he's gone. Okay, all right. Uh, hey, uh, uh, first uh, press conference for Jaron Hall, where he was the star of the press conference. Another new thing for him uh, to handle. Of course, I'm sure in college he did that quite a bit. But uh, pick up anything from Jaron Hall's uh, press conference? Uh, he does seem calm. Uh, you know, they, they like his his poise. They like his intelligence. Um, you know, of course, the other thing I got from that press conference is he's just not a big guy. Yeah, um, he's not very big. Uh, he, he hasn't really. Imp- he didn't really impress me in training camp or preseason. Uh, in his first, you know, one of his first dropbacks on Sunday, he held the ball too long and fumbled. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I need to see something before I'm optimistic. I haven't seen enough to be optimistic. So, I, my guess is their plan. You know, reading between the lines and everything I heard yesterday, my guess is that they're hoping Jaron Hall can get him through this game, be a game manager, help him win a close, low-scoring game, and then turn to Josh Dobbs and see if they can, what they can make out of the rest of the season. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Doug. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.